I know I will be paid. That's not an issue. My need is to be paid in time. So to get there, let's do the little things that will make the difference. Let's make sure that we understand why a customer is changing somehow. Welcome to Collecting Thoughts, CNR Software's new podcast. We're your one-stop shop for digestible industry news, anecdotes, and advice as told by the boots on the ground industry leaders and subject matter experts. We'll be covering topics across the collection space, technology, and finance. I'm your host, Christina, and I'm happy to have you join us. Today's guest is Benoit Delalba. He's been in the collections industry for nearly 10 years and is currently the global director of collections at Talend. Before finding his way into the collections industry, Benoit was a jurist. He has two master degrees in international law. When he's not working, he loves to both play and coach basketball, practices kung fu, and is the father to two lovely daughters. Benoit, welcome to the show. Hi, Christina. Thank you for having me. Of course. So before we get into the topics today, why don't you tell us about your interesting journey from jurist to being in the collections industry? I guess uh, I, I won't be the first to see that, but uh, I was not meant to be in collection as I, you, you introduced myself this way. Uh, I used to be a jurist. I, I wanted to be a lawyer and, uh, and one way or another, I, I wanted to talk uh, to people that were in need and uh, you do stuff and, then, and, and someday you just need to pay the rent and you'd start applying for some jobs. And I got uh, approached by a bank actually that was searching for someone actually uh, knowing anything about bankruptcies and collection and stuff like that. That I did during my, my degree uh, talk uh, and, and work around bankruptcy. So I started down as a contractor for that. After this first experience, this couple of years in banks, uh, that could be that could have been the end of it, actually, because I was tired of doing collection without collecting money. You know, you do bankruptcies, you're doing in facing people in a, tragic situation and you just don't get anything out of it. So I was done with it. And someday I got uh, approached by talent actually, and I discovered what would be to do collection in a B2B environment. So basically facing people that do have the money to buy the needs. And uh, that was a major change in the, the way I, I could see collection. That's a really interesting pivot that you took your initial passion for helping people and kind of turned that into, you found yourself in this space in collections, realized B2C wasn't for you, but you could find common ground between helping people in the B2B space. So I would, I would love to hear about how you, as a director of a collections team, has taken that ethos of the main goal to help people and put that into how you're managing your team and how your collections team functions. Being in a B2B environment, I would put aside the fact that I was not facing person, people, whatever, well, that would be in difficult situations. So the, the need for help will come in another place and that will be coming internally. That will be coming out of my colleagues. How, how could I help everybody to do their job properly so I can do mine properly too. That would, bo that would work for my team per se, but also, as I said, over departments, sales, billing, sales operation, whoever actually find a, a, an interest to have collection helping them and the other way around. So I started as a collection analyst uh, at Talent. I was really locals just on EMEA countries. As I say, I was coming from a different environment. So I was focusing on, all right, I need to 
get that money, so I need to focus on the customer. What would be the tool I have to get the money out of this customer? What would be the tools I have? Would it be sanction uh, uh, for that customer? Would it be any type of pressure I could put on him? And one day, I mean, I was discussing with my manager, mentor, and so on, and uh, I got to switch and say, okay, what else could I do? I mean, I, I, I tried everything with the tools I have. Now, let's put aside the customer, the external one. Focus for a bit on the internal one. What am I good at? I'm good with people. So let's focus on the people around me, those that I think I know, but I might know that much. And let's take some time to actually understand what they do, what they need, how could I help them, and how at some point they could help me. So I spend more time with sales. I try to understand the, the, the cycle of sales, the difficulties they have, the pressure they have, because I know that I could only be the only one, the, the one adding some pressure on them and not understanding why they're just not responding when I call them, actually. But if I get to understand what they do, then I, I, I might be taking another angle next time. Mm -hmm. And I did that with sales. I did that we also with my closest colleagues, which are billing team, actually. What can I bring you so next time I won't be bothering you with a question or a change in the invoice or anything? All right, you need me to do something that would be getting the right data from a customer. Understand why he comes again and again with another question on the invoice. Maybe we missed something about a portal that we need to post the invoice on. Maybe, maybe we just uh, missed the addresses. Uh, we got an email in the common inbox that was giving all the information, but we did not report that information to the billing team and so on. And, and you can just put that cycle, that focus on anyone in the company, including support, for example. I'm, I'm working in a software uh, company, so we're talking about licenses. So the support team is receiving questions from uh, our customers. And sometimes this question is, I don't understand why my, my product is not working. It seems to be expired. Yes, it is because, and that was the case in, in our company, you didn't pay, so you didn't get the final product. So I don't want to say that I was the first putting that in motion, but I, I went uh, to, to see the support team and say, guys, anything you, you have in terms of expiration question, just send it to us. We're going to help you support the customer. That won't be your problem because it's, it is not. It's not a technical problem. It's just a financial problem. So that's how I, I try to, to set up my mind and, uh, and apply it along the years. Yeah, that's a really interesting approach because you are not just looking at the customer and ways to apply all of your toxic tactics that you've learned, but you're starting from the inside. You're trying to solve problems before they even get to the customer. Or looking at the customer as not someone as who has done something wrong or has missed something, but is maybe just having the result of something that happened internally that they would never be aware of. That's really a great approach because you're trying to eliminate just confusion at, at the end of the day, right? You're trying to make sure everyone's on the same page so that people can pay their bill and use their product and, and everyone's happy. Yeah, yeah, that, that's clear, clear it. And that's, that's why I, I, and I don't want to focus on sales, but... The guys are basically, we, I, I often told them that we are two sides of the same coin. They have forecasts. I have forecasts. They are replying to a CROI. 
I need to, re to, to, to show my numbers to a CFO. And at some point, let's do the job together. I mean, as I said, I'm, I'm working on a subscription type of model. So the customer I have today, I need the sales to renew next year. So I cannot be just the bad guy chasing customers and, and bringing, you know, I would say bad, uh, bad influence. I'm just, uh, I'm just the one that tried to get the, the company to get a payment in time. So everyone is happy. The growth is growing. I can, I, I get the cash we need to invest and so on and so on. So what I told, uh, and I, I usually started, I mean, in, in the first years I started to do that. Basically once a quarter, I will be present at the QBRs and giving reviews of what went good and what went wrong during the quarter of the sales and repeating the little things we could do to, as you said, anticipate things. So guys, these are the problems I have. I'm missing POs. I'm missing contacts uh, in, in the proper field on the order. I'm missing anything that I should not be asking you after the fact. Because you just, you just sign a contract. Everyone is happy. Everybody's on board. And I'm the guy a couple of weeks after that that is coming and say, guys, I'm missing this, this, and this, and this. So I don't want that. So I try to, uh, as, as you mentioned prior to, I mean, I just want to be the one bringing good news and solution rather than frustration. That's, that's key to it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the boogeyman all the time. You know, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm part of this company had, had the same way they are. And then again, I'm speaking to about sales and I think it's also, uh, I don't know if it's a fault and I, I everybody has a different method, but, uh, it's also part of. My role has a collection director to go to sales, go to the other teams. I should not be the one expecting them to come to me because there is no reason they would. So I will be the one coming. And I wouldn't say I could come with any specific stories or of anecdote or something like that. But I can, over, over the years, come to have regular uh, you know, habits with having a coffee with VP of sales every Monday, Monday morning or just get invited to, and this is the consequences of what I just said, I'm, I'm, I'm seen as, and we are seen as part of the global team. So sales won't see us as the bad guys. We can be when we need to, but not always, and we are part of it. So we invited to uh, some events they will have because they want us also to meet the customers and you know, meet a face, you know, the, the guy that is chasing you, here he is, and we are fine together. That's it. And at some point, you, 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 you kind of build this relationship with your own team, the sales team, as I said, uh, the, the other teams at any point, they need to know you exist. I, and that kind of the thing, when I arrived in this industry, I kind of sensed to be the one guy in the, in, in the office at the bottom of the, the hole. You know, you're, just, uh, you're just there, and nobody knows really what you do except the one that wouldn't like to. And you, you just need to, you know, open yourself at uh, all the type of pressure we all have. Uh, and, 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 and at some point you, you just find your place. Yeah. It seems like you came into the company with a different approach and kind of turned yourself into a disruptor, but the good way of disruptor, right? Like how we say technology aren't disrupting. Have you found that 
by you taking this approach, has there been any change to the company culture at all? Like are other people kind of joining with departments that they wouldn't normally think to do just to make sure that everybody's on the same page? What I did see is, um, and, and also because I had the chance to be in the company that we were about 400 people when I joined, we, we were three times that few years after that, but one of the, uh, the most part of the major player, we're still here and we grow up together. Mm -hmm. So the one I kind of try my method on, uh, and, and that was not easy. I mean, to be honest, to, to make them understand that this is how it should be. And at some point, if you, this is the method I, 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 I will come with, but if you don't follow me, don't be surprised if I turn to be the bad guy and so on and so on. You just educate people around what you want to do and you explain why you do that. You always explain that you don't want the sales to receive an email or a call from the customer saying your collection guy is just pushing me hard and I don't understand because you're going to be paid at the end. Yes, I do know that. And I always start with that when I do speeches to uh, the sales team, I know I will be paid. That's not an issue. My need is to be paid in time. So to get there, let's do the little things that will make the difference. Let's make sure that we understand why a customer is changing somehow. He used to be a good payer, he's not. Let's sit on, uh, on a table and just discuss. Give me some information from your customer. And, and so on, we, 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 we keep growing this relationship between this three-party relationship, basically. I am just next or behind the sales, giving my advice on the way we'll approach the, 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 the customer. And at some point, and this is the, the, the case now, I'm not the one coming to the sales. They are coming to me. They are coming before and say, I feel that it could be tricky with this one. It used to be good. It's not, or just, I don't know about them, but uh, how could we arrange something? Yes, and we'll find a solution. Maybe we're going to change payment terms. Maybe we will talk about billing schedules or anything that will be a, 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 an actual tool for the sales in the negotiation, in booking the deal. So I'm not the one, uh, you know, coming with uh, the, the, the bat, but, but, but with the sweet. And that's really why I want everybody to see the department. We are problem solvers. We're not problem bringers, I would say. And now that you have been, you know, positioning your collection strategy internally as you being the key link that brings all of the other departments together, how has that affected your communication with the customer? Do you feel like it goes smoothly or even when the customer ends up having a not so great case that you have to work through to solve? How does that relationship go now that you've kind of as much as you could eliminate the internal factors that could affect the external. I don't want to be too strict and say it's all about following the method because I mean, every customer brings a different issue, right? You could do everything that was expected and somehow the customer won't pay. Then you have to find a key. But I would say that compared to a few years back, the result of this relationship we built with, uh, with everyone is Whenever they have an issue now, it's, it's way easier to contact the seller and say, okay, we have a problem here. So let's pick our roles. I can go hard and you can go smooth or the other way. And, and, and also, I mean, again, I started with saying needing to understand the people you work with. And it's really personal. I mean, because you have people that actually 
prefer you to do the whole thing because they don't want to be at any point linked to a payment problem. Mm-hmm. Others will be, no, I prefer to be the one speaking to the customer. I prefer to be the one talking to a user rather than you're going to keep doing and I, I, I'm going to be the one talking with the uh, um, AP department, but he will be the one talking to the user. I would say that it's more natural now that we find our place both. And so I know when I can speak to uh, one or another department of the customer. So because I know the customer, I know how they work also. I know that if I push that button, then I will have solution. If I Sometimes I also know that I will just push to the end user. And as I say, talking about licenses, at some point, if you talk about cancellation or suspension of a product, you don't want to t- tell that to the AP department. You want to tell that to the end user. Then in the meantime, I will alert the sales that I pushed that button. So we're, we're just aligned on our position. And most of the time, I say most of the time, we, we find a smooth solution out of this. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the result of it. Mm-hmm. Is there any particular story that comes to mind that you want to share, whether it's about a unique case or a particularly challenging case uh, that stands out? Not a particular, but kind of the way we operated with all resellers. When I joined the company, the reseller were, yes, crucial, but at some point, most likely treated as a hand user. Uh, and, and what I, I came with, and again, that was part of the experience has the collector saying, okay, guys, let's set a moment and, and find a novel process for a reseller and list me all those that have specific issues because they have specific type of end users. I mean, you, you can talk about one country or another, you won't have the same environment, the same payment terms you should apply to, the same, uh, I would say, patience you should have also sometime. The one thing that changed the way we approach the resellers and uh, and uh, I, I just want to finish with maybe something that uh, uh, I remember our VP of sales sometime, uh, someday say that we were on a t- um, have to a tall all with everybody and say, I just just coming in, in the room and you just say that, oh, you guys finance, you're just, the, you know, the power to say yes and the pleasure to say no. And I kind of print that line in my office and say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be this guy. I just want to be the one who's happy to say yes at some point, as long as we do it together. That's that's just it. Oh, that's so funny. I feel like that needs to go on a wall. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was so great having you here on Collecting Thoughts. Thank you.